This is the Aerobic Capacity Podcast, your source for endurance training. Hey, Chris, we are live. Sammy, how, how are you? I'm perfect. Very well. First of all, I want to apologize to the people out there. We are an hour late. We had technical difficulties. So I had an internet issue. I had to restart my router. Then this, the streaming service that we're using was uh, a little bit off. So doesn't matter. Technical difficulties can always happen in a live show. But I'm glad that we are here. Today's subject is all about kids in CrossFit. Programming for teens and kids, so super interesting. Uh, as many people of you know, is that Chris is very familiar uh, within the space, coached a bunch of champions that you are, uh, that most of them you probably know by name. We'll touch on that later. But before we go into the subject of kids, let's talk about something big that is going to happen tonight in the adult section, different sport, MMA. Conor McGregor is fighting Dustin Poirier live in Abu Dhabi on UFC Fight Island. And since you, Chris, have so much experience within MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, what do you think about the fight? Um, give us your hot take on this, just a couple of minutes. I, I was fascinated by the, uh, the pre-fight interview um, and just the composure that Conor McGregor had. Um, it's really interesting his his uh, personality changes as he is getting older. Um, you know, he still has that that rambunctious um, "I'm going to do whatever I want" attitude, but it's a lot more controlled. It's a lot more conservative. Um, it's not so wild, and so I'm wondering whether or not that carries actually into you know the octagon. Whether or not he's going to have that same sense of control. The the issue is he says he's going to knock him out in 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 less than a minute. So yeah. there's that arrogance that's there, but his behavior is a contradiction to um that statement. Yeah. A lot of respect by Conor McGregor here. I've never seen him so polite um to an opponent. Yeah, um I think that he he had you know a lot of um maturity going on within his personality over the years and uh, what i heard in one interview was very interesting he said you know he's not you know the the upcoming guy that needs to stir the pot he's the whale so people come to him so he doesn't need to uh, engage in this you know hoopla and you know fighting before the fight and he's a prize fighter and the price is very high and i think he's aware of that what's very very interesting to me is that they're fighting at 155 pounds yeah and when you're looking at his physique you can pretty much see that he's in phenomenal condition let me just pull up real quick i don't know did you see the ceremonial way in that they have yeah i i, I think that I, I'm curious on on his nutrition. I um, I've heard that he's dabbled in ketogenics, um, I, and I I I wonder, like at 155, it seems like a better weight for him that he he's not so emaciated. Um, I think that that lighter weight classes that that historically has hurt him. Um, you know, he's got an amazing camp and team around him, but it, it appears to me that the, 
the core of his team is fighting related. Um, you know, there's there's another side of of uh, coaching staff, um, and we see it in CrossFit on the most elite level. You have your nutritionist, you have your cardio coach, you have your uh, injury maintenance um, uh, coach. So there's a lot of different aspects to it. And it always seems to me that people that get highlighted are on the fighting side of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that this, his, he looks good. Um, he's not so emaciated, right? So part of it is, is that when you end up and, and you see that with a lot of athletes that, that drop weight and we see it in the sport of running all the time, their skin gets paper thin and it gets almost transparent. Um, yeah, he looks good. He looks really good. And the thing about it is, is that he's got plenty of time to do some, some weight adjustment after this weigh-in. So yeah, I feel like it's, it's, it's much better um, in terms of nutrition, but that doesn't address his cardio. Yep. You know, there's this long-standing issue with Conor McGregor and cardio. And I, I really wonder if he's more humble because he's been, he, he's been beat. And that's what happens with athletes. Athletes, when they are rising um, and they become a champion, in their mind, they're invincible. And they never consider the negative side of the equation where they could lose. And as soon as that happens... And that was the problem with, with his last fight. It, it, it was, he lost and something was wrong and he knew it. He didn't have his conditioning. And so part of it is, is that negative thought takes root and it never goes away. And that ultimately leads to the downward spiral of a great athlete is the negative thought propagates and you're no longer invincible. And so I wonder if that, if that has something to do with, with, his 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 behavior that he can't be so arrogant that there are holes in the armor it's just now we have to find out where to put the spear they're yeah. there and every athlete has one every athlete has weaknesses the thing is is that as they're rising those weaknesses are hard to define and find but once they get exposed they propagate so are you are you aware of his uh training program his training protocol You know, so part of it is, is that he's very secretive. I, you know, it's interesting that you see Conor McGregor doing a variety of workouts. You know, he's got an online training program, a 12-week protocol. Um, and I've, I've seen people doing the workouts within there. They're all high-intensity interval sessions when we, when we look at cardio. And the thing is, is that Conor McGregor is a very explosive, fast-twitch, dominant athlete. He's got a lot of power. And what they're doing is they're capitalizing on that power, right? They're doing short time domains. They're doing very high intensity workouts. They're focusing on speed endurance, strength endurance, which means that he has to attack early, establish his dominance and win in that first round. If he doesn't, then he doesn't have a backup plan because he doesn't appear that he doesn't focus on longer time domains. And so part of it is, is that I think that, and if you look at his record, most of them are first round wins. 
And if you want to take down Conor McGregor, the question would be, is that, you know what, do you let him fight himself out in that first round? Yeah, it's, it's Nate very, Diaz. Nate Diaz yeah. was a perfect example. You go for it. I'm going to cover up. And then you know what? The deeper we go, the worse your position. It's so interesting that um, an athlete that is known for cardio issues comes up with a cardio online programming. It's it's almost like, you know, he wants to turn his weakness into his strengths. And obviously, he's a sales machine. So he tries to uh, tries to take advantage of the opportunity, which you can only commend him for. But if, yeah. what's very interesting is I just pulled it up. So not to go into the nitty gritty of it, but um, <laughs> they 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 kind of like uh, categorize their programming into zones. And I'm mm -hmm. I'm aware of that you have to wear like a like a heart rate uh, which, strap, which you see him wearing all the time all the time and i know that this is a more or less controversial subject for you 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 always have an interesting interesting point on that right you it's, it's, sometimes you are a fan of it but you shouldn't re rely on it completely just give us your 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 quick take on that type of training so when he's in the ring right when he's in the octagon he doesn't have a heart watch on he has nothing other than his own perception of intensity and so part what athletes must learn is that feel of when I'm in a non-sustainable pace, when I am going above my lactate threshold, when I need to slow down the cadence, because here's the thing, he can't just look down at a watch. He can't look at any markers. You have to know. And so part of what he's doing is he's, he's relying on this external piece of information that doesn't become available to him in the octagon. And that's a liability. And, and, and if we look at it and compare in the CrossFit space, what the heart watch is telling you is your level of intensity in the movement that you're doing. So if you're wearing a heart watch on a rower, it is telling you numbers that are based upon the muscles that are moving in the movement of rowing. It doesn't tell you about doing mixed modal work, for example, MMA fighting. And so part of it is, is that what he needs to do is he needs to develop a range, a range of feel based upon the movements. The other thing, like Conor McGregor, you know, we, we talk about cardio and, and it's a huge subject and um, people talk about it in the space all the time. Most of what you're doing in the octagon is you're standing. And to me, without a doubt, the number one thing that he should be working on is longer time domains on his feet. That's okay. what he should focus on. It's the greatest transference into his sport. And here's the kicker for him. When he is standing in the ring and fighting, what does his posture look like? How does he land on his feet? And does that match up with his running style? Meaning, if he's heel striking when he runs, which Conor McGregor does, he has a heel strike, then is that the ways he is fighting? So is that a direct transference into the octagon? And those are the things where I look and, and I, I feel that there is, he's got some really solid opportunity. What he really should be doing is, is looking at the style or his form when he's on his feet in the octagon 
And his dry land training needs to be more specific to that. Specific, that, that, that specificity of training is critical. If it's not specific to what you're doing, it's not applicable. And part of it is, is that if Conor McGregor is always heel striking when he runs, is that truly transferable? Is it? And it's not. There's the, the thing is, is he doesn't have unlimited time. And what we're looking for in any athlete is maximizing the value of their training in order to maximize adaptation. It would be much better for Connor to do workouts that are combining different things that are applicable in the sport. I would love to see if he wants to do high intensity intervals. I'll tell you what we're going to do, Connor. We're going to do a series of double under jumps, maybe 20 of them, drop the rope. And now what we're going to do is we're going to break you into an interval, a running interval. We're going to create the muscle memory of landing on the ball of your foot, which is your typical fight stance. And then what we're going to do is we're going to break you into a run after we've established that muscle memory. We're going to then reset and repeat those rounds. He also should be looking at, for example, you know, in boxing, he's got two-minute round, let's say does three-minute rounds, MMA, five-minute rounds. Then his protocol should be, if he's doing five rounds, five minutes with one minute of rest, that should be your training protocol. Your workouts, we're going to be targeting those types of things. It needs to be specific to it. So if he knows that he's going to have to do a total of 10 rounds, two minutes on, one minute off, that ultimately should be your training protocol. Now, he probably can't do it today, but the truth is, is that we ramp up to that, meaning we start with three rounds and then we graduate up to four rounds. But we always know at the tip of the spear, what we're targeting is the total of 10. And that's where we take you. He needs to create a, a multitude of, 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 of weapons. And what I mean by that is, Weapons based upon time. What is his capacity at the full length if it goes the distance? And then develop capacity at everything else in between. There's no difference of training a Matt Frazier and developing his recovery speed all the way to his 10-second speed. He's got 13 gears based upon the time domain of the workout. And Connor is not in control of the time domain of the fight. He knows how long it could possibly go but you need to prepare everything in between and develop maximal intensity for all time domains. And he's not, I don't, in my opinion, he's not prepared. He has to win in that first round. I see that's very, very interesting. He, he yeah. probably, he probably uh, would disagree, but his history um, proves you right. You know, he, I mean, a fighter will always tell you that he's prepared for 25 minutes. You know, let me tell you something. Every athlete, when they're young, they're filled with vinegar. They know that they can do this. They're a hundred percent confident. The thing is, is as you age, what worked for you when you were a kid no longer works. You have to adapt. You have to modify your, your protocols. You become vulnerable. Right? There's weaknesses that are developing as you age. And so part of it is, is how are you going to do something different to retain that youth, youthful vitality? You have to reinvent yourself. You can't just keep putting more volume in and that volume adapts into greatness. That eventually runs its course. Now, what are you going to do? You have to reinvent yourself. The body adapts 
all the time to stimuluses. Anything. If you want to get smarter, we know what to do. The body adapts by working on education. The more you practice something, the body adapts, but eventually it nears its full potential. So how do you create continuous adaptation? That's where, when we look at what aging athletes in the sport of MMA, where do they go? Yes. You can't rely on what you did as a kid. You have to expand your arsenal of weapons. Conor McGregor cannot rely on a one-round knockout. He can't rely on a 60-second knock. What if it doesn't happen? That's interesting. Right? I mean, um, that that's a great segue. You you have so much experience of you know uh, coaching kids, teenagers, and I think that that subject of transitioning from being a kid, being a teen, to becoming an, an adult athlete um, is something that's that's very very fascinating. Before we come to our very special guest today, um, I want to take this opportunity to talk about Haley Adams because that that please tie that together for us because you watched her being a kid being or being a teen and becoming a full-blown superstar within the adult space of competitive crossfit so please could you explain that uh on on that subject or her as an example yes so teens have always been interesting to me uh in the sense that you you immediately recognize just like adults strengths and weaknesses the problem is you cannot program workouts for a teen the same that you would do a mature adult because their bodies are still growing and you know haley adams without a doubt when she was you know two years ago she was not as a, a sprinter you know her top end speed was was it just wasn't there um, the same thing with their strength. But the thing is, is that as an athlete is developing and maturing, they, their bodies change. So if you focused on Haley Adams weaknesses, when she was 14, 15, 16 years old, when she reaches full maturity, maybe those weaknesses actually weren't weaknesses. It just took time for her body to mature. And so the approach was, what we need to do is we need to create a well-balanced program. We don't want to specifically target areas of weakness. We want to develop the entire structure, just like I was mentioning about Conor McGregor. We want to develop all of our arsenal. But the number one thing that we want to do is we want to build aerobic capacity in every movement within the sport. What we want you to do is establish an incredible foundation now. And that's going to be your competitive advantage. A lot of people within the sport of CrossFit think, oh, you know what? If I've got a competition with running in it and I've got six weeks of advance notice, I'm just going to start my running and the body's going to adapt in that six weeks. That's not the case for aerobic side of the equation. It takes years. That's why when we talked about Kipchoge and running sub two hours in the marathon a couple of weeks ago, the guy's 34, 35 years old. Your aerobic capacity, your lactate threshold, it takes years and years to optimize. That's why you see athletes continuously getting better as they age until they hit that master's turning point at the age of 35. Now we start to see a slide. And so 
What we want to do is we want to give you an advantage. Let's build your aerobic base. Let's improve your ability to recover. Let's strengthen your structure so that when you hit maturity, it could take the pounding and you stay injury-free. Longevity. Wow. Uh, talking about you know developing, talking about uh, somebody who's far away from sliding, who's just you know on her way up, let's welcome uh, Brooklyn Sidner and her dad, Corey, to the show. Hi. Hey guys. Hey. Hello. What's up? How are you? Great. How are you? Good. I um so I met Brooklyn. We met in in Madison. In when was that? 2019. And you were like walking down the street and I was with Haley. Was that right? Yeah. So what happened no. is I know exactly what happened. It was like <laughs> one of the best days of my life. So, I mean, it's led to a lot of other things. So we were coming back from the fitness center and I accidentally clicked floor eight, floor eight instead of two, which was what we were staying on. So it stopped at eight and me, me and my dad didn't even like realize it. And we were like, it was crazy because we were talking about like, you know, it's crazy. Like we just like really like meeting the people. Like that's what like drives us every day. And as like the doors are closing, this guy like sprints through the doors and um, I like didn't even see him. And then I looked up and it was Chris and I was like, oh my God, you just made my day. And then he, we kind of talked a little bit on the way down and he was like, oh, don't get off on your floor. I'm going to meet Haley. So that like me and Haley had like talked over Instagram and stuff, but like I, that was the first time I actually really got to meet her. So I took some photos with you there. That's right. Haley. And then I met you, I seen you again in, with Dave in the booth. Oh, that's right. We did that uh, CrossFit thing. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. So Brooklyn, yeah. why don't you just tell the people that don't know you yet? You, you, I mean, you have a large following, a little bit about you, your background, what you're doing, what your goals are, and then we can talk about uh, your uh, working relationship with Chris. So I'm Brooklyn Sittner. I'm 13 years old. I'm a mainly CrossFitter who enjoys all things fitness. I'm currently the youth under 13 USA youth national champion for Olympic weightlifting in the 59 kilogram division. Um, currently, I'm just training every day to make the CrossFit Games because I want to make the CrossFit Games. That's a goal. But another goal of mine besides fitness is just to impact the world and change lives. Beautiful. So Sammy, Corey, Corey owns uh, Yellowstone CrossFit, and he comes from a, a collegiate semi-pro rugby background and also was in MMA. We were just talking, Corey, about uh, the Conor McGregor fight tonight. Yeah, I just heard some of that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we talk about with with Conor McGregor, there's always this question about his cardio, and yeah. you know, as every athlete ages, they need to to continuously reevaluate themselves and and look at different weapons. And Conor McGregor, you know, he's he said he's going to do a, a sixty sub sixty second knockout tonight, and He's always depending on that. Every strategy he has is sub 60 seconds. And unfortunately, you know, what Nate Diaz exposed was, you know what, if I could get you through the first round, yeah, I'm going to continue to, to um, improve my chances to win. So, yeah, that's why this conversation's interesting because for a teen, it takes a lot of patience, right? Like Brooklyn, 
What's your goal? What do you want to do when you're old, when you're, when you're older? My goal is to make the um, open women's division for the CrossFit Games when I'm 16 or 17 years old. So that's a target that's three years away. And so what always happens with anybody is that they want it immediately. And the thing is, is that it takes time to get there. Like, for example, you know, I went for a run yesterday with Brooklyn. And um, one of the things that we were, were, we were working on was her ability to pace. Um, and what we're really driving at is, is ultimately when she looks at a workout, to improve her ability to assess that workout. And the number one thing that you want to look at initially is the total time it takes in that workout because that defines your intensity. So if you look at a workout and you say, oh, that's going to take me one minute versus looking at another workout and say, that's going to take me 30 minutes, your pacing strategy is going to be different. So what we are doing is developing, how many gears, how many gears are we going to develop on you, Brooklyn? 13. 13. Yeah. So no matter what time domain shows up, she's going to know by feel how to attack it. You know, Corey, uh, Sammy and I were talking about Conor McGregor. And one of the things that Conor McGregor, he wears in training all the time is a heart watch to help him translate his intensity. And what we saw with Brooklyn yesterday by doing, you know, an easy to moderate intensity what we developed and we tested was her ability to feel without a heart watch, without any watch, her ability to replicate that speed by doing a one minute interval. So for the people listening, the workout was 10 rounds of one minute of running with 10 seconds of rest. You would run down from your starting spot, run one minute. I would have watch, I ran side by side with her. At the end of the minute, I yelled stop. We turned, rested 10 seconds, and then ran back to our original starting spot. At the end of that minute, I just yelled stop. There was no warning. And if she matches her out speed with her return speed, then she is pacing it perfectly. She doesn't, again, have a watch. So, Brooklyn, how would you do in that, that workout? How would you do in that last one when I yelled stop? How close <laughs> were you to your starting spot? It was... Perfect. It was right <laughs> on the line. It was awesome. It and the beauty is, I mean, Corey, you were there. It's like a magic trick, isn't it? Like you see, she she's shocked. And that's what we that's Sammy. So when I was talking about Conor McGregor, he needs to learn to feel that. And here we have, I mean, and, and Brooklyn's very talented. I mean, let's not kid each other. She is a very talented athlete. And so and, and in tune with her body. So I would expect her ability on that to be better than the average person. But the thing is, is that imagine you are one minute down the street and you say to somebody, I'm going to run one minute and I'm going to land in a spot that's this big. And that's what she did. And that seems like it's a, it's an impossible task, but what, what, what we want to recognize is, is that's the, what we do in training. You practice, you, you work out through training and repetition and you create efficiencies, you create motor memory. And so when Brooklyn says we're creating 13 different speeds, the thing is, is that she knows that if she has 13 different speeds or 13 different time domain intensities, no matter what time domain of a workout comes up, 
Her body is going to recognize that intensity. And that's the difference with Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor only knows the first round intensity. How does he know what it's going to feel like in that if he has to go five rounds and he's 23 minutes in? And that's the difference with where what Brooklyn's doing is she recognizes that right away. And so Brooklyn, when I said to you, I mean, this is so Brooklyn and I have been, wait, we've been last two days nonstop, right? Yep. And so when I said to you, like, you know, are we going to target, you know, specific running speeds? Like, or are we going to just focus on all of them equally and develop all of those? We said equally, right? Mm -hmm. And, and that's the key. You want an athlete that is coachable and a lot of athletes, they have it in their own mind. This is what I need to do in order to win now. And they want to get to that goal right away. And that's the kiss. That's the kiss of death. And that's the difference. Brooklyn is exactly targeting what Haley Adams did. Build the foundation, work on her aerobic ability, build her structure, build her, her recovery. So one of the things that you could talk about Brooklyn is like your knowledge of where your weaknesses are and what you need to focus on. Do you have a couple of examples? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's good to know your weaknesses. Um, mm. that, cause it's, even though I know I'm doing like good things as an athlete, they're always in the back of my head. Like, Oh, what if this shows up in a workout? What if this comes out? Like, what am I going to do? Um, so I think that even if it's slow and it's kind of boring to work on them, it's really what you need to do. And I know that a lot of people like, I don't know for, I don't know an example, but like, it might be, like you said, they want it right now. So it might be hard to work on your weaknesses for the next three months and not and like not do anything you're good at. But in the long run, it definitely is going to pay off. And I, I want to be a champion. I know that I need to work on those things now. That way in the future, I don't have weaknesses. Everything can just be something that I'm good at. Yep. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the key. The key is, is that what you need to understand is your weaknesses, um, because when workouts come up that, that target those weaknesses, you understand the value of those. And so, like, for example, uh, I always tell people that, you know, a coach has a job and, and an athlete has a job. I mean, you have Brooklyn, some clear responsibilities in this relationship. And part of it is, is that you need to be telling me, you know, certain aspects of, of, of your training. And, and one of the things, Sammy, that a lot of athletes struggle with is their weaknesses. Like, what are they? And what are those movements? And it's very difficult for them to, to define that. And one of the things that Brooklyn was talking about uh, with me uh, a couple of days ago was her breathing. And Brooklyn, why don't you explain like what normally happens like a lot of times when you run? And so and um, a lot of times when I run like longer distance, um, I get like side aches really bad only on one side. So I always thought it was kind of weird and I've, I've Googled it and everything and I've tried to fix my breathing, but I guess I don't know how to do it right until I met Chris. So, um, but um, like, it would happen only like sometimes. So I didn't know like really what was going on. 
but whenever I would like run run like for a long distance say like um an 800 at like a fast pace after the first like 400 usually I would always get really really bad side aches that would like limit my breathing so then I would have to like stop and try to like get my breath back and go again so um that doesn't happen anymore kind of annoying so part of it part of it is 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 to be able for an athlete to articulate that to 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 turn these 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 events into words and tell a coach and it's not that an athlete should understand what's going on but they need to relay that because that piece of information that she shared is really important um because if it does not get fixed then I, I and Brooklyn, we didn't we didn't even talk about this, but you get nervous that it's going to happen every time you run, right? And what if it happens in a competition? Yeah. And so that's where people, athletes, get like this. When I, we we talk about negative thought developing, Brooklyn in the back of her mind is when she's running, this is going to happen. And so one of the things that as a coach we we need to do is. She has this, this anxiety over breathing. I have to fix that. So what do I do? I do different drills to build up her confidence. So yesterday during the run, what we did is after the workout, we did some sessions and worked on her breathing. And the thing is, is in the movement of running, we, what we really need is we need to, to teach her of using the breath to determine when you're in control and out of control. Like when are you hyperventilating? Your demand for oxygen is exceeding what you can supply. And when are you okay? And so we established that. She knows that if she breathes on a two count or a three count, she's not in control. There's a limited window. And if she's on a three count, she should go down to a two count. And then she needs to cross the finish line. If she doesn't, meaning the finish line's too far away, she needs to slow down. The other thing was, and this was the most important, it's the rhythm of the breath. It needs to be reliable and predictable so the brain knows when the next dose of energy is coming from. When is it coming? And so in the movement of running, what you do is you, you count your number of steps per one cycle of breath. And athletes have all different types of, of cadences. Some breathe like Emily Bridgers. She on an easy pace would breathe I didn't tell you this, Brooklyn. Emily Bridgers breathes one breath and 13 steps. So like Haley, she does six steps. Um, Katrin, six steps. Frazier, four steps. Froning, four steps. I take four steps. What do you take, Brooklyn? Four steps. Four steps. So what was amazing was is that we run together and, and the way that we do this is I just allow her to run. And we went through the entire first workout um, where I was listening to her breath, where I didn't say anything because I don't want to influence her. And then we finished that workout and we start up with the breathing drills. And the whole purpose for me is to build her confidence. That's it, because she's got this negative thought of cramping. So I start running side by side. And what I do is I sync up my breathing with her breathing. I sync up my stride length and stride frequency with hers. I match her perfectly. And then I listen and she starts exhaling. And when you exhale, 
you hit a foot strike, your foot lands on the ground and you count. And I count to myself and I, I realize, wow, her pattern is consistent, meaning it's always the same amount of steps per cycle of breath. It's not random. And when it's random, like for example, if I was breathing like this when running, I went, ha, 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 ha. That's random. The brain would never know when the next dose of energy is coming. And that way it would never relax the muscles to allow them to do what you're asking them to do. So I listen and I hear this, ha, one, two, three, ha, one, two, three, ha. It was perfect. No joke. It was perfect. I didn't have to say anything. It was reliable, predictable, consistent. There was no even coaching. How'd that feel when, when I said that? To, and I, I, I never said anything. I just started counting, right? And I was like. Yeah. I was like, well, I must be doing something right because he hasn't stopped me. <laughs> so and then when we did stop, I was like. That? I know. I was like. I was like, wow, he's super excited. Like, I, got, I need to keep going. <laughs> That's the thing is that I. I, I Part of it is, it's a value when somebody in authority says, that's amazing. But it's even more powerful. Like, for example, when you ran that one minute and finished in a spot this big, right? I didn't need to tell you you were perfect. Mm -hmm. Because I told you what was perfect at the start of the workout. I said, you better do this one time. And you only had five tries. And you did it twice right? In that workout. But I didn't need to say good job, did I? You knew. You yeah. knew it was perfect. And that feels really good as an athlete when you actually accomplish something that you think is impossible, right? Uh, question for Corey. Uh, are you her head coach? Like, do you do, uh, do you do the main programming or what's the... Yeah, yeah. I... Uh... I don't know. I don't ever look at it as head coach or whatever. You are. Because <laughs> I'm her dad too. So yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I do her programming and love That's on her. Best. So you tie everything together. You take advice from a professional like Chris. You yeah. talk to other people, maybe weightlifting coaches, and you 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 tie everything together. Because I also I also like me and Chris have talked about this a couple of times. Um, I mean, I never said this, but um, it's came across like I'm, I don't look at, I'm not one of those coaches that like, I'm going to be like my way is this way. This. Like I want to take all the best coaches and influences and give her every single piece of arsenal ammo that she can take. Like yeah. if you're not doing that, you're just limiting yourself. But Corey's yeah. smart. Why would you never be, why, why would you not do that? Like, I mean, I didn't run marathons. I didn't, I mean, you know, like. But you're smart too. So we sat down yesterday and, and talked about Brooklyn's weaknesses. And Brooklyn did a really good job in looking at movement and what is limiting her from reaching her goals. So certain movements she's incredible at. Handstand push-ups. Like, how many handstand push-ups can you do unbroken? Skipping? Yeah. I've done 45 before. 45. Yeah. 
Okay, so there's, there you go. I mean, it's incredible. But she then turns around yesterday and says, I want to get better at strict hand-to-hand push-ups. And my limitation is what's preventing me from doing more. And what'd you tell me? What's preventing me from doing more is what? Um, I get tired and I feel like my technique breaks down. So then I use more muscles to recruit and get up. And then I just fatigue. She's 13. (laughs) Adults don't know how to define that. So here it is. She just told me what's limiting her from reaching what her goal is. So once I know that, it's easy to fix. And what's beautiful is that I can sit and have a conversation with Brooklyn about the ideas of how to fix that. And Corey writes that down and comes up with protocols and can follow up on it. That is an incredible formula that that her father understands this methodology to help her reach her goals. That's a rare combination. So that, yeah, it's a rare combination. It's, it's the perfect combination, but uh, how challenging is it to be a head coach and a father? (laughs) (laughs) It has its uh, times because, um, I'm not like people got to understand like the thing, the beauty is I told Chris, like people that don't really know it's her, like at the end of the day, it's her, like Chris seeing how much she'll do something. And then she just doesn't want to stop. She just wants to learn, learn and do more and learn her body. Um, So we did all this stuff. And then when I was talking to Chris, she's walking up the handstand wrap. So it's her, like I tell people she would never train the way she trains if it wasn't her. So, but also then on my side, I, I tell people like some people I'm, I'm going to say like on the floor and stuff, because I was a fighter and a rugby, like I'm intense and like, and I played those sports. So I have an idea of what it takes. So if people think I'm hard on her when they see that, they don't really know me because I love her so much and I know what her goals are that like, I'm not going to let her slack. I know it's not like she goes, Hey dad, I want to go to the CrossFit gym and I want to be a fit individual. And I want to like, just stay in shape. I'd be like, cool. Do three workouts a week and you're cool. No, she says, I want to be the greatest. And I, I, I'm her dad and I love her and I know what it. So like what, and what makes it hard, what it just, just came to me. The, the thing is like, it's an advantage for me, but I feel like she doesn't like it all the time. I know when she's pushing it to her potential and I know when she's like in it and doing, and I know when she's not at that level. So I'll call her out on it. And she kind of gets upset sometimes. Like I feel like sometimes there's times she's really good about it. 90% of the time. I'm just saying it's, we're humans and so the dynamic mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes she um because i always tell her even if you're on the floor and you do something that like whatever disrespect or whatever you want to call like she doesn't do that much i'm just saying i go i tell her at the end of the day i'm going to parent you because i want you to be a good human over this athlete you to get what i'm saying so the problem yeah, is right. if i'm trying to coach 
and I have to step in and do a parenting thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have to That's like enough. put on a different yeah. cape, but um you do an amazing job though, Corey. I think she like you know, like and everything like the older she's getting also, I mean, she's not even old yet, but she's, uh, the more we do it, the more she just understands it and everything and is able to get way better at, and then all of this, like, um, it just helps. Like I told Chris a long time ago, I said, like me as a dad, I want her down in this environment around these people because they're good humans. Like, the athleticism and all that is just a bonus that we get to do and hopefully, you know, win the games and celebrate her hard work through all these years at some point. But the amount of people that she's going to come into contact with and inspire and the amount of people we're going to get to meet and everything, like at the end of the day, that's the coolest thing ever for us. Like that's, I mean, can't even, can't even explain it. We were in, we were in, uh, so let's just add one caveat. So this is how incredible what Corey is. They live in Montana. They are in Cookville, Tennessee right now. They hopped in a car and drove what? 27 hours. Yeah. It's about, it's something. I don't even know what, how far we're in now, but to do some one-on-one -on -one. now, I always tell you, Sammy, and we talk about this all the time. Uh, you're being really humble to say to do some one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> yeah. Some one-on-one, -on -one, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. So, I, I mean, it's incredible that you did that. It is. But so. It's they, incredible. So you're doing one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> So, so we're sitting in the, in, in CrossFit mayhem and we're not there very long. We're, we're, we're just having like the meet and greet conversation and they're both facing me and I can see in the middle of this conversation, they're both distracted. They're not even listening to me. Like they're Who in outer space. By? Who walked by? Who walked by? Rich Froning. <laughs> and she, I could see it on Brooklyn's face. She's like, uh, and she was like, like I, I, someone came in, you know, like something. And she, I turn around and I mean, Sammy knows Rich really well, been to his house. And, and the thing wow, is, is that, yeah. Well, so, and the thing is, is that Rich is, he's a country boy and as nice as they, you know, a man can ever be. And um, yeah, came over and introduced himself, right, Brooklyn? Yeah. yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever met him before? Um, I met him at like a meet and greet thing at the Rose booth before, but nothing, oh. nothing like, not at his gym, no, or anything like that. <laughs> so what was great was, is that Rich Sammy, he's like in the middle of it. He says, hey, you want a picture? And uh, so they're both like, so, and, and I, let's face it, you know, we love the sport too. And, and if you remove me from coaching Rich Froning, then I'm a fan and I would fumble around too. So it was kind of taken that Rich wanted a photo with them. And so it was like, where's the camera? 
<laughs> and finally, it was like these guys, they're finally like, oh, 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 here, here's our phone. Yeah. But yeah, Rich was pleasant as can be. And then Haley shows up. That's the thing about mayhem is that um, there's a lot of activity in that gym. What is that gym like, Brooklyn, when you walked in? Uh, it's amazing. It's, right. it's so cool. Like, it's really cool. I think like having open gym, like all the time, that's amazing. But how about the amount, the amount of equipment that they have? Oh my gosh. It's like, <laughs> it's like dreaming. Like that's my Disneyland. Like, like do you, I, know, I counted, you got, there's 14 assault runners, 17 bike ergs, 12 ski ergs. I'm pretty sure there's like 15 rowers. There's over 20 GHDs. There's like 22 assault bike, echo bikes. <laughs> and there's 60 wall balls. I counted the wall balls. There's like 60 wall balls. Sammy, isn't that interesting? I mean, that's passion. And that's, that's passion and that's attention to detail. And what that shows me is that you are aware of your surrounding. And that's, that's pretty remarkable for a young athlete. It's incredible. And, and I, you know, there's, there's, I always say that it, it, you have to look at athletes and effort that they make. And, and, you know, I, I often will get requests from athletes for help and I'll spend a bunch of time writing something out and I don't give them an entire package. What I want is I want an initial piece and expect results, feedback, something. And if I don't hear anything, there won't be any follow-up by me, zero, because it takes, it takes them to participate. That's their okay. part. Yeah. And what always appeals to me is, is, you know, Brooklyn and Corey, they're always following up. As a matter of fact, they were on their way down and I hadn't yet confirmed. I mean, I said a long time ago, I'll be in town, I'll be in town, but I didn't confirm exactly when. Yeah, I know this is going to sound kind of like stalkery, but if he wasn't going to answer the phone, I found his address and I was going to show up at his house. Yeah, you should. That's how you get what you want. Right? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's so for me, uh, what is interesting is that I, I, I really value that Corey is involved. He's got a solid background. It's very well balanced. Um, you know, and a lot of what we have talked about was uh, like Brooklyn as a, a role model and, and for girls and, you know, let's face it, you know, Haley Adams story is well known that she was bullied in high school and, and they picked on her because she wanted to follow this passion of CrossFit. And because of that, she came in stronger than all the boys and it became so bad that she had to drop out of high school and 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 um go to school online and she missed out on that high school experience because she loved the sport and that happens with girls and it's too bad and and you know brooklyn one of the things that she has openly said is that she's got a voice and if she continues to advance in the sport that voice is going to become more powerful and Corey, I, I got to tell you, you provide really good balance. Um, and what you like about CrossFit is that there's good people, right? There's good people with honesty and integrity, good values, just to match up with yours. And I love that. You know, I don't know if you want to say anything about that, Brooklyn, but, you know, about 
you know, your voice and, and, you know, something that you want to do long-term is, is, you know, helping other girls and helping them find fitness and building confidence. Yeah. Um, I strongly believe that fitness has changed my life for the good. Um, I know that a lot of girls maybe might not be super confident at my age because of bad things on social media or people at school picking on you and stuff like that. I know that fitness is really cool for me because I can look at myself in the mirror and be like, wow, I'm, I'm strong. Like I don't need to listen to what these people are saying because I know I'm doing what I want to do. And I know that this is who I am. And um, when I look at myself in the mirror, I see beautiful. Like it doesn't matter if it looks like I just rolled out of bed and my hair's all crazy and I don't have any, like, I know that I'm beautiful on the inside and the outside. So I kind of just want to put that across to all female in the world, like females in the world, like all, every woman is a queen. And I just think that a lot of people need them to pull it out of them sometimes to see how like amazing they truly are. Cause every human being on this earth is beautiful. That's, that's a very, very powerful message. And I think that's the perfect way to end it. Uh, Brooklyn, Corey, thank you so much for coming on our show. You guys actually were our first guests. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's our fourth show live on Twitch. We, we upload it on YouTube. We have it as a podcast. But you guys were our first guests. So thank you very much for coming. We wish you all the best for your career. You're on a great path. And I, I'm 100% convinced that we will see each other on the show again. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I'll I'll send a note to you in a little bit. All right, we'll figure out when we get to the gym. Thank you, Corey. All right, thank thanks, you. guys. All right, we'll see you. Bye. Bye. Wow. Right. That was, cool. that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe she is thirteen. She turns fourteen in February, and and you know, it's it's to me, it's interesting to get the perspective of when greatness is developing and to get that snapshot in time. And you don't see that type of attitude in adults. No. You don't. And it's because negative thought has propagated in so many different spaces that it becomes very difficult to untangle that and to build that confidence back up. And I think Corey's done a really good job in keeping her values uh, in perspective. Yeah, 100%. Before uh, we got five more minutes before we wrap this up and we want to get to Q&A, if you could you know, summarize the biggest difference between coaching a kid athlete, a teen athlete, and an adult, just what yeah, so your take on it. There's, a, there's a, a couple of them that I could go down. So workouts don't have to be hard to be good. So that's hugely valuable. Um, you don't ever want to give them too much too soon. So it takes patience on a coach's part. You know, one of the things that you'll recognize right away is that if you put volume in onto a kid because they're a kid, they recover quickly and they adapt quickly. Be careful of too much too soon. Also, you need to be really careful on overloading the spine. Um, you know, doing too many back squats, deadlifts. They're too young. They need to allow 
their body to mature and the spine can't take that heavy rep uh, repetitive loading. Um, same thing with, with training to failure. You don't need to push a team to failure. You don't. What you're trying to do is get, build their coordination, th build their efficiency, build time. So be careful of pushing them to the end because what will happen with the teen is a teen's going to recognize if they're being pushed to failure every single time, what they'll do is they'll then back off on the workout and they'll lose the targeted stimulus. They will realize what you're doing and what they'll do is they'll play the game. So those core things, what we really need to be doing is, is focusing on those. There are no quick fixes for teen athletes because we don't want to target a fix on a particular item. What we need to do is think long-term. So no, just like, you know, immediate, like we're going to do a crash training program to fix this particular area. It needs to be overall perspective. So those core areas is, is, is the, the, the pieces that, that are the core in my methodology. I, I, those core principles. And then I build around that. So let's get to Q and A. Uh, Seanette had a really interesting question. Guys, if you have questions, it's your time to ask. Just put them in the comments and, and we'll address them. So Chris, what are the most important uh, points for a 12-year-old besides aerobic base, or is that, 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 is that it? No, so you, what you want to do is, is you want them to practice a variety of, of sports, of movements, and you don't want them to specialize. You don't. You want them to, to have fun. You know, and it's no different than an adult coming to me and be out of shape. The truth is, is that when an adult comes to me out of shape, I don't want to push high intensity on them right away. There's plenty enough time to make that athlete suffer. So what we want to do is we want to build that foundation and make it more enjoyable. If you can gamify workouts to a team, then they're going to want to come back tomorrow. There is no different as an adult if you have lost your fitness because life got in the way and you're insecure and the mindset of a teenager, they're equally the same. And so picture if you have an adult who is overweight, lost their fitness, how do you get them back in the game and how do you retain them? And that's what, it, that's what you need to focus on. You don't want to focus on the biggest and the baddest and the strongest and feature them. You don't want to embarrass, ridicule, or condescend because they'll never come back. It's about building their confidence, their self-esteem. And if you can do that, they'll come back tomorrow. Retention's the number one. Beautiful. We just did an hour. I think that's we should end it on a high note. That was really good. Building self-esteem, building confidence. That's uh, what aerobic capacity is about. Um, thank you, Chris. I think Sammy. it was... Very, very interesting. Uh, we'll do this next week again. We'll, I want to uh, talk about Conor McGregor when next okay, week. Okay, okay, okay. We're fight. Yeah, 100%. I, I really pray it goes beyond the first round. Yeah, we're, we're reviewed fight for sure. Yeah, if it goes past the first round, I expect him to give you a call. Have him on the show. <laughs> I'll reach out to him. You know me. All right, you, went to his, you went to his training center. Yeah, I went to his training center. I introduced myself, and then Corona hit. Yeah. You know, know. that's Darn what it is. Yeah, That's but at least at least yeah. we got to do this. We'll, we'll All right, Sammy. Going.
Thank you so much, guys, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you thank for you. watching. And we'll do this again. Bye-bye.